0: laces call you're listening to theatrical thoughts i'm emily wyra and i'm jessica fight and today we are joined by mark tuminelli mark is the founder and director of broadway workshop and the artistic director of project broadway and the host of little me growing up broadway on the broadway podcast network mark thank you so much for coming on today how are you
1: i'm so good it's so nice to be here with you well i've had this on the calendar longer than anything else in my life <laughs> <Same>. <laughs>
0: Honestly, us 2 were so stoked for this. We were so excited when we got to, like when we started contacting you and getting in touch. But yeah, we really, we booked ahead.
1: I'm thrilled to be here. So let's knock it out. This is going to be really fun.
0: All right. So as you know, we love to open up our show with our 60 second life story segment, which is exactly as it sounds. I'm going to hit start on the Google iPhone stopwatch and you're going to give us, you know, your entire life in a minute. Are you ready for this?
1: I'm going to try.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I believe in you. All right. You ready? Yep. Go for
1: it. Great. Born on uh, in Bayside, Queens, July 1st, 1980, 100 years ago. And uh, my family is non-theatrical. I found theater on my own through middle school. Um, and it totally changed my life. I became Broadway obsessed. I wanted to see every show. I bought every... Cassette every record I learned everything about Broadway. I started auditioning professionally when I was like 12 I booked a bunch of things I did not go to college and I continued to work and work and work I did gypsy with Patti Lapone in Chicago didn't get cast for Broadway because we all got fired started Broadway workshop It became a really big thing So I put all my eggs into the Broadway workshop basket and it blew up So Broadway workshops now one of the largest youth theaters in the country and it's so exciting I work with amazing Broadway performers. I'm a director. I direct a lot of people's cabaret acts. I direct regionally I edit and uh I adapt a lot of musicals for future licensing. Um, I'm the host of the Little Me podcast for the Broadway Podcast Network. And uh, I just worked on a really big movie for Disney and I have five seconds left and I'm really fun Follow me on Instagram.
0: That was amazing. Ken, confirm you are really fun. That was amazing. Literally, like...
1: I mean, would you say it's the best one so far?
0: I would argue that probably was, honestly. And I know that I'm like supposed to say that, but I actually Really mean it. Great. <laughs> and there's
1: so much I left out.
0: <laughs> well, when you only have 60 seconds, you know, you gotta, you gotta be You've selected. You've got to be there. selected. I'll give the highlight reel. And speaking of the highlight reel, so your family, knows theater, and you stumble into it on your own.
1: How? I that mean, happen? I'm sort of lying. Like my mother certainly doesn't really know a lot about theater. My dad was a little bit more theatrical. Like he had some... Broadway records and cassettes. So he was sort of the gateway in and would take me to see Broadway shows. So that's kind of how it really started, but they're not performers. They didn't know anything about the business. I would find auditions in the back of the Newsday growing up on Long Island. And I had my grandfather take me to the open call of Les Mis when I was like 11. That was happening at Hofstra University. So I would find auditions, local auditions in New York City, and they would take me to all of those things that they mostly uh, didn't understand what they were doing and I certainly didn't understand what I was doing and there was no internet so it wasn't like you could find out how to format a resume for theater or what kind of headshot you should have like so we just all kind of figured it out Um, but it was it was cool and uh, I it totally saved my life like I'm sure both of you uh, theater was where I found my people where I felt most accepted and I just like dug into that with both uh, both feet and never really looked back and there was nothing else I really wanted to do it wasn't like I either want to work in the theater or you know be a mechanic I think we know that I didn't want to be a mechanic
0: (laughs) yeah you don't really give me mechanic energy I don't
1: I don't know what you mean, Emily, but you're, you're being rude now.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) so, okay. First of all, 100% agreed. Theater, best thing. Best thing ever.
1: It also makes like really smart, uh, culturally exciting adults that understand how to behave in the world know how to be part of a team know how to take care of each other know that their voice isn't the most important but sometimes few people people do think they're the most important person in the room but there is a it's it teaches a lot of good life lessons so even if you're not going to be a theatrical star I, it just does not hurt you to be part of that kind of experience
0: 100 couldn't agree more i credit theater to all of the empathy i think that Getting kids into the arts, especially young, if we can, it's so important. It's so important. You're right. Uh, So getting kids into the arts, that's kind of your MO. I mean, Broadway Workshop has absolutely blown up the universe. Um, I like that. Everybody knows about this. I want to know sort of how it came to be, you know, how Yeah, you- I'll tell
1: you, the Reader's Digest is a very long, I mean, it's not like, it's going to sound very cut and dry, but it wasn't. Um, I was an actor and I was working a lot. I was doing Eugene, I was playing Eugene in Brighton Beach Memoirs and Biloxi Blues and Broadway Bound at every theater. I had mentioned that I did that Gypsy with Patty Lepone in Chicago. We thought our show would come into New York. It did not. And so Patty came, but the rest of us got the ax. And so- I think I just was teaching a lot and loving teaching. And so I put together a company. I bought a, uh, through LegalZoom, I paid the fee to get an LLC and I started Broadway Workshop. And I got a website and hired a friend to take really beautiful pictures of students I had been working with and me. And we just started. It was one class, then another class, I asked Laura Bell Bundy to come teach a class. She said, yes, that was during Legally Blonde. So that blew up. And then um, we were just, I would one class, another class, and then one summer camp, then the next summer, three camps, then six camps. So it just built incrementally, but it was very clear to me that it was the thing that I should be doing. And something I tell my students all the time is that be aware of the doors and the windows that are opening for you and see if you might be more interested than you think, because I thought I only wanted to be an actor. And the second I started to be a little bit more in control of my life and teaching and creating classes and helping these kids Be prepared for their Broadway auditions and then seeing my kids booking shows and then seeing the control that I had over my life I loved it so much more than I loved. Putting my headshot and resume together to wait outside, you know, on the street of equity so that I could sing 16 bars for the Fiddler on the roof tour that I wasn't going to book anyway, so that is the. uh, That is the the story of its inception, but it all I didn't have big big dreams, I never could have imagined that this would be where it ended or where it's going it's not over yet yeah.
2: Like Emily said, it's everywhere. Like everyone's done Broadway workshops. I've done Broadway workshops. So they're huge. Yes. So what about running Broadway workshop when you consider the most rewarding?
1: I would say the most rewarding thing is the relationship I have with students who have spent a lot of years with us. And I think a lot of educators would tend to, rely on that thing where you get to see your students that i might know at seven or eight who are now 22 or 23 and coming back to hang out or assisting me or you know i'm just catching up with them or having a dinner or they're like in between shows of their broadway show and we're like kind of catching up like seeing Um, And then the other thing is seeing how close they've become. So many kids have met their friends, their best friends for life at Broadway Workshop. And I know that I'm like, if it wasn't for this organization, um, it's not me. It's this, you know, the group of kids that we've attracted that they meet. And then they're, they're bridesmaids at each other's weddings. They're like best friends. They're like doing podcasts together, whatever it is. It's like they their connection is through me and Broadway Workshop and that's a really special thing that I know that I'm so friends with some kids that I did theater with as a kid and I'm very grateful to the artistic directors of those programs that kind of put us all together so it's really gratifying not only to see the success of my students but to see uh what the experience of Broadway Workshop has meant to them for the rest of their life
0: yeah absolutely as we keep kind of circling back to you the way that it can bring people together is just it's beautiful and That's fantastic to hear that that's as inspiring to you as it is to those of us on the other side of it. So, Thank you. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your teaching and directing style. I mean, obviously, as we keep saying, this is certainly a unique experience over at Broadway Workshop. So what do you think sets your style apart from others?
1: I think, God, this is gonna sound so obnoxious, but I think I'm a very good director. And so um, I see things very clearly and I know how to explain them in a way that feels, Very user friendly. The actors in the room understand what's going on. The productions are very high level because I care so deeply about making sure I'm creating the highest level theater for my students. And for me, I want to sit in the audience and I want anyone who sees a Broadway Workshop show to not say, it was so great. They're so cute. That was great. That's not going to work for me. I want you to see a show and be like, that was a great show. It just happens to have high schoolers in it. It's not that it's good enough because there's high schoolers in it. And so I pull out all the stops and I work really hard to create actor connection so that they understand what the motivation is of the scene or the story or what is what works and what doesn't work, what's funny and what's not funny. And I think I have a very clear way of explaining that. And I have a really good vision of what I want the final product to look like. And I understand that from beginning to middle to end and the collaborative process of I like, do you actually want to hear what a student thinks of this scene? I want to have like a real conversation like a director would on Broadway with their actors and say, well, what do you think is going on here? And what do you think this scene means with this then? And we're having real conversations and creating real characters. And it's not me being like, stand here, look over here, look, smile, laugh. This is how you deliver the joke. Like we have to figure all of that out together. So the process that I would have with a Broadway professional directing a show and the process I have with a 16 year old with an absurd amount of talent is exactly the same. And I think that is what the magic is at Broadway Workshop
2: yeah that's amazing I think that's very unique in an incredible way thank you um do you have a favorite Broadway workshop memory that you want to share with us
1: yeah let me think let me think um I mean of course like my brain goes to the negative things because those are the things that are stressful like oh this was the most stressful tech or when this person canceled or when this contract like or in this theater canceled us like my initial as all the drama that then I turned around, but, um, I think there are moments that I have sat in the audience and been so extremely proud of what the kids are doing, whether something has gone wrong and they've fixed it. Um, but you know, there, are there are moments I've always wanted to do the musical Carrie since I'm like maybe 17 is when I 16 or 17, I discovered Carrie. And this was before really the internet worked very well or worked fast and so it was hard to get information of what Carrie what what was this musical of Carrie and so I had I'd grown an obsession about it for many years and then once the licensable version became available we were one of the first theaters to do it after the MCC production and um, getting to create that show with those students was a really special experience and it it remains one of my uh, fondest Broadway workshop memories also to do something dark that actually was really good and not campy and I thought quite beautiful and I think there was something about and we had a lot of members of the creative team of Carrie come see our Carrie because it was so it was one of the first licensed carries after that New York production and I think there was something about seeing it Actual, with actual real teenagers that made the experience so deep for the audience for the creators of the show for me and then I also got to see and make Carrie happen on stage which was something I had dreamed of for a long time so Carrie was a really special main stage experience for me and um also um uh, Sweet Charity was another one of those experiences for me because these are shows that I've loved for so long that I never knew if I would get to do and it's, so that's like the main stage thing that was wonderful and often we will get big stars to come teach master classes. And I am so proud to be sitting with them. And I'm very starstruck. Um, someone like Cynthia Rivo, during the run of Color Purple came to teach on a Sunday before her matinee. And I was, this was after she won the Tony. This was like in maybe October, and she was wrapping up her run in at the end of November and uh you know, to sit next to her and kind of teach a class with this woman that I was blown away with on stage. Most recently, Leia Salonga came and taught a class on Zoom. And when her little like Zoom popped up, I literally like my heart, my my 16-year-old, 15-year-old heart was like racing, like Leia Salonga. So every once in a while, I have the opportunity to work with someone that I was such a big fan of. And then I get to sit with them. It's very cool for me. So I guess those are some of my proudest moments and then seeing my kids like become Andrew Feldman is a very exciting sometimes too you
0: know just knowing a kid when he was like that young and, and he's he like
1: eight and then Russell. to see him have the last bow in a Broadway musical and play Evan Hansen like that is so like you can't Seeing Presley Ryan, I saw her the first night she went on in Beetlejuice and uh, that was so exciting. And she actually came today to talk to our students in our summer intensive and uh, seeing Michaela Diamond play Cher on Broadway. You know, all of these little seeing, you know, Rachel Reshef go to, from Broadway show to Broadway show to Broadway show. These are all kids that like grew up with me and, and getting to see them live out their dreams on Broadway is, is it's like a, I'm not having children. And so that's my parental experience.
0: My heart so happy. Oh my god. <laughs> so now speaking of sort of carry realm, you're no stranger to new titles to licensing, especially. I mean, you've obviously adapted many titles to be more school and junior yeah. friendly. So I want to know about sort of your process for that adapting the word adapting process and how you go about that.
1: Yeah, it's really one of my favorite things I get to do because I have a lot of creativity, a lot of creative license to do whatever I want, at least in the first pass. And um, because I'm not working with the writers of the show, I'm kind of working in a little bubble. And I take the show and um, something like The Addams Family, which has been licensed a million times since I've worked on it. And I can look at that show and say, this is what exists in a two and a half hour version. What do we really need in a 60 minute version? And what is going to work on middle school students or camp groups or high school students? What's going to be funny? What's not going to be funny? And it's all those same things. So with Addams Family specifically, I just talked to a group about this yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. But you know, everything about Gomez and Morticia doesn't work when it's a 12 year old, so all that stuff started to take a backseat. And then Wednesday's story started to come forward, and so we made edits that made that work. Um, shows like We Will Rock You, or Spam a Lot, or Curtains, um, these are shows that like I can just step away and say, what do I like most about the show? How can I keep going to the things that I keep wanting to listen to, the jokes that I think are funny? Um, And so by doing that kind of work, we kind of come up with a really great version. We test it out with our Broadway workshop kids, somewhat older. So I look at it that way and then I make a lot of edits between that version and then the next time. And then we probably do it one more time and then we are incorporating some notes and things from the actual writer or the licensing company. And then we incorporate those in and then we have this final version. The last thing I got to work on like this was, oh, it's We Will Rock You and Head Over Heels are the two shows that I got to do most recently. And I think we found really amazing versions of those shows that will live on and do really well. And I think we found uh, ways to make them work. And then I write a director's guide so that the director can hear what my thoughts were. I'm um, very easy to find on the internet. And so sometimes people will be like, okay, in the director's guide, you say this, but like, do you mean this? And, you know, it's kind of fun to be able to help. Uh, some other people in in school sometimes the gym teacher is directing the show in like blah 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 you know usa and it's just like part of their educational contract is they have to like direct a show a year and i want to make it as easy for them as possible and make it good like i want them to have a great experience and so sometimes i back in the day when i would direct someone else's adaptation i would be like who wrote this like this makes no sense like or this is impossible where it's like the music track is this long so there's only one way to really do this but they're like you can make this as difficult or as easy as you want I'm like that's not helping where I'm like on the first count of 8 do this on the second count of 8 do this third count of 8 do this and then the costume change will happen so like I will I know all that stuff cuz I'm also getting to direct it so um you know creating all of these school versions with theatrical rights worldwide and probably licensing um and Sam French a bit because I did Zombie prom for them um, has, has really been something that is so thrilling for me. And it's really fun when I get to see someone else do it. Or yesterday I went to talk to Inside Broadway, which is another wonderful youth organization that is doing Adam's Family this week with 20 kids um, in a studio. And they're all like in third fourth and fifth grade and we like talked to Adam's family and they told me about their characters and I told them my ideas when we were creating this the 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 version that they're doing and uh it was just like it's it's totally thrilling it's really cool
2: that's amazing that's so cool getting to hear that you get to do that side of it also yeah so now switching gears you also have your own podcast as we said little me growing up broadway what was the inspiration behind that show
1: The inspiration essentially is that I am obsessed with people who are really big child stars. Like, I just think it's the wackiest thing in the world. So like to have had that kind of spotlight on your life when you're 10 or 11 or 12, and then maybe that spotlight never comes back. Maybe you keep working, but what does that experience do to you in the future? What did it do to you then? How balanced were you in your life? And so that sort of got me thinking of, um, Could I sit down with people and have the opportunity to chat with them about what that time in their life was like, how it affects them now, and what about it really was not great? What about it was awesome? And so I found myself gravitating to people who are kind of older looking back at it was much more interesting to me than talking to someone who is in it because when you're 13 or 14 and it's happening it's very exciting so every answer to every question is like it's amazing and that makes me want to like walk into the Hudson river like because you know they're also not going to tell you it's. Oh, it sucks and my understudies mean to me and my agents mad about this like they're not gonna do any of that but when you're an adult and you're looking back at it they're gonna start getting real and be like this was really bad this was handled poorly this really hurt when I wasn't asked to do this or when I got let go because I got too tall and then we're gonna get into the real nitty-gritty of it so That is kind of the overview. The Broadway Podcast Network has been nothing but lovely to allow uh, me on their platform. And it's nice to have like a family of podcasters where uh, we're all kind of, all in our own lane, but it's a big family of people who all love it and get it. And so um, I took a big break because I had the really cool opportunity to work on a movie for about three months at the end of the school year. So March, April, May, June, I was working on a movie that'll be out next year. And um, so I took a break from podcasting, but I will be back probably in September with new episodes. Um, and I will be talking to people who maybe were not child stars, but maybe are stars now, talking about the kinds of things they were obsessed with when they were kids and their school play and what a mess it may have been and all of that stuff and um so we'll be getting some uh some new voices on and also some people who are still child stars and it'll be a mix of just people i want to talk to but uh i definitely have i definitely want to do some more of that because it's so fun isn't it so fun
0: so fun. It's, the and cool.
1: it's it's also so much work no one else tell them how hard it is tell them tell the people
0: it is not easy, but it's so worth it. Cause it's, it's so cool to get to talk to such interesting people. I mean, I'm sure you clearly know. <laughs> I mean.
1: <laughs> How cool is, and what's weird is like a few people that I've had on that I don't know, we like Insta clicked, and then like I've hung out with them or they'll be like, hey, I'm going to be in the city on Friday, you want to get a drink? And I'm like, yeah, duh, I've been obsessed with you my whole life. So, um, you know, it is kind of cool when, uh, you know, these, you kind of are meeting someone who gets you and you kind of do it. And then you have this very intimate like 45 minute conversation and they're like, you asked me so many questions I've been dying to talk about and they feel closest to you. And that comes through in the recording. I mean, there are episodes of my podcast where I'm like, I'm falling asleep. Um, and then there are other episodes that I'm like, this is the greatest episode. You're going to have the best time listening to it. And I'm so excited, you know, but that's just kind of how it goes.
2: That's how we feel pretty much every single week. Like as soon as we're done filming, we're like, that was amazing.
1: Great. It
0: <laughs> so, was question mark
1: <laughs> <laughs> or did that not go great
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so cool, especially getting to talk about i mean again you just talked about it's so fascinating to hear about things that you're so like oddly passionate about it's like, like niche things but i love it
1: like, but that is like that is like the best advice that i can give to a student it's like what do you do really well and then shine the biggest light on it? So whether that's singing or you're like super funny or you're weird, or you have like crazy ideas about how to present material, like that is, that is the only way to be successful in this business is like, take your, oddity or whatever that means or the thing that makes you special and then shine a light on it. And that kind of goes for everything. If you're really good at numbers, then shine a big light on your mathematical genius and become a really fancy accountant and make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, whatever it is that you're great at or be like, I love theater and I love accounting. Well, I'm going to become a theatrical accountant so that I don't know why I'm so drawn to accounting. I think it's because I'm sitting at my desk and I'm like, there's like bills and numbers and a calculator. And I'm like, should I be doing work? Um, that's where we're at, <laughs> it's, not, it's not going well, sorry guys. <laughs> I
0: imagine being good at math. I wish. Imagine. Not me. It couldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, I still have to use a calculator to calculate tips at right But it's on. also
1: like, fine. Like they should have, to, first of all, do you remember, well, you wouldn't remember this, you guys are 11, but when, um you're not, you're very old, you're very old. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, But when I was a kid, I would say to the teacher, I will, I have a calculator. Why don't I need it? She goes, you're not going to always have a calculator on you. Turns out I always have a calculator on me. Tur- turns out, dum dumb, that I was just fine. There we
2: go. Yeah, I'll be in math and, not, and I'll say to my teacher, okay, when am I ever going to need to know like Sokotoa? He's like, okay, I'm going to be honest. You won't. I'm like, great. Just great. glad that Thank we
1: cleared you. that up. Well, great, <laughs> Jessica. I'm sure your teacher really loves you.
0: Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Student of the month right over there.
1: (laughs) Oh my God.
0: So now kind of shifting back to Broadway workshop stuff, there was a little thing called the pandemic. Oh, Uh,
1: that? What do you, I don't know, I'm unfamiliar. What are you talking about?
0: It kind of forced us all to get really familiar with this fun thing called the Zoom that we're using. Bravo. (laughs) So I'm curious how you managed that whole beast with this pandemic and how that worked for listen, you listen
1: at first it was devastating like i couldn't catch my breath i was so emotional because we were about to go into tech for our production of chicago our main stage production of we will rock you which i adapted was a had its first rehearsal on march 13th um so of 2020 and uh my production of chicago was going into tech costumes were here set was built everything so that initial can't i I postponed then we canceled, but the initial, those first couple of days was horrific. And I had to lay off a staff member. I had to figure out what we were going to do next. And I was very emotional and it was really hard. And then New York one did a story on Broadway workshop, having to cancel our shows. And they like, we filmed all of the boxes of costumes and all that. And I was like in tears, it was like not a good time, but pretty quickly, um, Yvette, who I've been working with for eight years at Broadway Workshop, she's like, runs our group's department. She is a huge reason uh, why our, we're successful. And Sarah, who is our our other full-time employee, we're like, we need to start doing virtual workshops. And we had to do this thing called Zoom. And I had actually recorded someone else's podcast on Zoom maybe 10 months before. So I like knew about this thing, but I didn't really know. And we started to just do it. And luckily, because Broadway Workshop has a really big following, um, we and and by really big following, I mean. 16,000 or 17,000 followers, but they're real followers. They're not purchased, they're not fake, they're like our followers, right? And so they're not people that are necessarily in New York. And so now Broadway Workshop was available to any kid. And we started doing workshops with our my friends. So I would ask Erica Henningson, Sierra Bogus, uh, Manny Gonzalez, um, Jonathan Groff. I was just like asking people to teach Zoom workshops. And they were saying, yes, everyone was available. And we were all of a sudden, you know, we only, I made a very quick decision that we'd only let eight students in the workshop and there would be no observers because I thought that that hurt the whole property. I didn't care how much money we made. I wanted to make sure that the experience on Zoom was good. And so if it was only eight students and it was an hour and a half, it wouldn't be boring. You wouldn't be sitting there forever. It would be fun for the teacher, fun for us, and the students would be involved and they wouldn't be watching 30 other boxes of people watching them. I was like, this is not conducive for educational purposes. And so that's what we did. And we stuck to that business model. And we were doing five, some weeks, 10 workshops. Um, and it was really kind of, it worked out okay. We moved our summer camps online last year and that went okay and then we you know we started doing we did a virtual production of the musical Emma that I rewrote we wrote good English mark that I rewrote for Broadway licensing which is a really cute show and um we did that virtually with green screens and all that we did a reading of a play um that was really great that Sandy Rustin wrote um which was about the first days of the pandemic so we we kind of we pivoted And then we pivoted again and then we pivoted again and now we're pivoting for the 50th time because we're trying to do live programs and virtual programs at the same time this summer and it's really hard it's just guess what like you want to be in business it's gonna there's it's gonna be like this and uh another part And I'm like talking too much, but I'll tell you this real quick. So luckily I also do corporate events and I work with some really, really big fancy organizations that um, wanted to do Broadway experiences. And so we were doing Friday night, Thursday night, zoom cocktail parties for big organizations where I'd bring in three people from Hamilton and they would sing songs and they would talk about their experiences doing the show. And those, gigs pay a lot of money. And so we were doing a lot of those. And I did about 60 of those in the last 12 months. And so those are great things. And so between that and Broadway workshop being virtual, we got used to it. And I coach a lot. And I was seeing kids, you know, I would have, we would start a workshop, and we'd have one kid from Dubai, one kid from Singapore, one kid in the middle of the night. I'm like, Oh, my God, this is so crazy. Leia Salonga teaching in the middle of the night in the Philippines, but it was 10am for us. So like, it was kind of so cool and we'll never have a, hopefully, knocking on everything, we'll never have a time like that again, but um it was great and we got used to it and now we have to figure out how we come back or how we do this hybrid thing, you know, so that's, that was a 4 on one on that. It was very, some days very challenging. Uh, ultimately, when I look back on it, very cool that my staff forced me to do this because what I wanted to do was like go in, the, go in a room and hide. But we figured it out. I'm also, you know, not not like so savvy here. Hence no tick, no TikTok for Mark yet.
0: No TikTok. No TikTok. <laughs> no, I give you such mad props. I mean, virtual stuff, it is a beast and a half, but I give you so such credit. Like
1: And virtual theater is really hard. Like that's like an oxymoron. Like virtual theater doesn't make any sense. Like you, I'm not drawn to the medium to watch um, a musical for two and a half hours. Like that's not going to work for me. So we you know, you have to figure out what works for you and what you'd be excited about. And, um, and also like what your students are excited about. So, you know, I constantly will ask, what do you want? What is accessible? What would be fun for you to do? And then, you know, who do you want to work with? And we kind of go from there. And if that means it's virtual, because that teacher is not available, or we're going to do a play reading of something and it'll be significantly cheaper if we do it on zoom, then that's how it's going to be for a minute. And uh, I don't think this is going away. Um, It's just too easy. We had a huge, beautiful podcast office that is gone because why would they be spending that kind of money when we can just do this? And also, honestly, if you wanted me to come to New Jersey today to do this podcast, I would probably have had to say no to you, but here we are. So in lots of ways, it's really cool. Do you guys live in New Jersey? Was that wrong?
0: I actually, do. That was impressive. <laughs> for that. Yeah, no, it, it does definitely open up a lot of doors, and I think that the accessibility of theater is definitely going to increase. So there is that positive. But you know, getting towards live is exciting.
1: And look what's happening at like Fifty Four below. I just directed Andrew Feldman's show there, and
0: <laughs> by the way,
1: did you watch it?
0: So good.
1: It's so good. He's a genius. We had the best time working together on it. I love collaborating with all the artists I've I've gotten to direct their solo shows, but he's so special because I know him so well. And he kind of listens to a lot of what I have to say, which always blows my mind because he's 10 times smarter and more talented than me, but we'll just go with it. But um, that during that, because that show was so dynamic and everyone at 54 Below could feel that it was special. They were like, we wanna start this live stream thing. And very quickly within between week one and week two, two of his show they had set up a way to live stream and now 54 below is gonna live stream a lot of their sort of higher not that sounds obnoxious but the, the people that really sell the people that have a real calling for a live stream around the world um every artist that works there is exceptional but you know uh, you know some people have a really big reach and some people have a smaller reach but they're gonna they're gonna be able to do that that never would have happened if it wasn't for covid and um, people getting used to logging on to watch a concert. Um, and for the right person, I would want to do that too.
0: You know, 100%. Yeah. The Andrew Feldman show worked out really well for me. Cause I like, couldn't get into the city the day of the show. And I was like, oh, great. I'll pay the 10 bucks.
1: Buy a ticket for 10, 15 bucks and like get to see the show. And it was filmed beautifully. It looked great. Right. And no one knew what they were doing. They were like winging that because it never had happened before. You know, well, and it was, a... it was very cool that that half hour leading up to that was a little scary, though. I guess it's going to work.
0: You know, as we sort of start heading back towards, you know, live and, you know, having end your show live and first show, per se, what are you most looking forward to as we start to see the world open up and how you're going to transition into that?
1: I mean, I've been thinking life. a lot about um, doing what our main stage would be in 2022. Can we have people in the theater again? Is it what does that look like? And so I'm excited I have thoughts. I don't know what that means. I I there we're in the infancy stage of figuring that out. And probably next week after camps are done, I'm going to start making a a real schedule for the year. Um, I am focusing on some directing things that are outside of Broadway Workshop for me personally. And um, so I'm going to be pursuing some of those things while my staff continues to run Broadway Workshop. It's not going anywhere. Um, but I have I have some things that I want to do that I'm going to make happen and or that hopefully someone's going to hire me to do. And so I I'm just excited to to I'm excited to go back to seeing Broadway shows. I used to see two or three shows a week, so it's so weird to not see a Broadway show all the time and uh, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to um, keep directing. I work with Erica Henningson. I'm her director. We have a new show that we're working on together. Farah Alvin, I also am her director. And if you don't know, don't sleep on Farrah Alvin, Google her like crazy. She's got the greatest voice in the business. So we're working on more shows together and recording her album. And so I'll be a co-producer on that, which is really thrilling. So I'm doing lots of things that are exciting to me and I will be, uh, continuing to challenge myself with those things and and continuing to figure out workshops and classes and ongoing classes. And I want to dig in a little bit on the play side. We never do that at Broadway Workshop. And I think it would be very cool to be able to do a couple of plays that are not just musicals because um, it's important for people to be excellent actors and not just singer and dancers. And um, so there's lots of things on the horizon, nothing too specific yet sadly
2: so exciting so i guess kind of just wrapping up if you had to give yourself one piece of advice to your past self would that be?
1: i would say um god it's tricky you can't edit this right um so um my um i guess my advice is that my advice to other people is always you know ride the horse in the direction it's going like when you feel like doors are opening, go there. But I think for myself, what I would say is that I wish that I had pursued directing in a more serious way sooner, Um, meaning that I wish that I had become someone's associate when I was like 23. Um, And so I could have kind of rung up the ladder with that director, um, because I don't know where my life would be. But in another way, it's like, also know because I probably wouldn't have started Broadway Workshop. I'm extremely proud of what we've created and what it continues to create and the students that have been affected by our program. And so like I don't wish that. So I guess it's sort of like the advice is go on the journey and be really, try to be nicer to people. I mean, I was pretty nice, but sometimes I was not great. So, um, you know, to like know that you're a cog in the wheel and just be a really good cog and be nice to all the other cogs in the wheel because everything comes back to you. and you know like do good things and good things will happen to you and i do feel lucky about that i do feel like extremely blessed for lack of a better word because doors have opened for me in really easy ways people have said yes to me that didn't have to and so i try to say yes to a lot of things too and i think that that in general just makes you like a better person so for you two youngins um just be nice say yes and do things that do things without today we had a guest teacher come teacher probably workshop and he sort of said think of acting as a gratitude service um, meaning that when you are performing you're just doing it for the love of it and it's not to get anything back and then from and the same way you would volunteer at a shelter or you would help a homeless person or you would help a young person who needs you know, scholarship and for all the things that you would do and not expect anything back. If you think of performance in that way, it starts to take on a new meaning in your mind and it doesn't become so self-serving or I have to get this job. It's just like I love performing. So I'm in this room and I'm doing the thing and then I'm going to leave it. So I don't know. I'm learning all the time. I answered. I did not answer your question. Well, I'm sorry.
0: No, you absolutely did. I loved that. <laughs> Isn't that great?
1: That gratitude service. I was like, oh, I, I have to start thinking of my job that I get to do and get paid as a gratitude service. Like I'm just going to Broadway Workshop because I love it and I love these kids and I want them to have a great time or a great week or one day if they're with us one day and I never meet them again. Maybe that day is it changes their lives and cool. So, you know, sometimes I need that reminder, too.
0: To romanticize your own life every now and, yeah. and then. Yeah. Uh, Mark, this was amazing. This was so cool to get to
1: talk to Ooh, um, thank you. Well, what can I, I know we're wrapping up, but I want to know I always want to ask a question like, what are you both looking forward to most now that the world is opening up and you're in high school and you kind of get to live your life again? Who wants to go first?
0: Can. Emily, Ken. <laughs> yeah,
1: Emily, you're I mean, I mean, up.
0: Oh, i've been volunteered um i'm it's been a wacko year and i think that well the obvious answer is broadway coming back and all of that stuff i mean that has been you know i don't see shows as often as you do <laughs> I Well, i also
1: to- live on 54th street it's like if i'm not going to see like 54 below i can leave my house four minutes before a show starts so just giving you an example Casually. but go ahead so yes <laughs>
0: so- the arts and getting that aspect of life back just is amazing. But honestly, just I mean, even the summer has been so huge. Getting to just see my friends, yeah, and get out of my house, love my parents to the ends of the earth. But
1: but like you know, enough, we got it.
0: Other people besides my folks, and I think that just the ability to look at life through a different lens. I I think that the pandemic really changed me as a person. So, yeah of going back to life and being able to look at it with more gratitude and look at it with more sort of ask and find the stories in. yeah the- if it didn't
1: change you then something's really wrong yes, <laughs> jessica what about you
2: i'm just excited because i found my passion for american sign language during the pandemic and i'm going to be an interpreter when i'm older so i'm excited to be able to actually go out and experience like shadowing interpreters and actually get to start
1: doing that in college it's oh my god jessica i'm so obsessed with this i have been obsessed with sign language when i watch two people sign i cry immediately and i do not know why i think i was deaf in my last life i have not <laughs> learned because my brain does not work that way but every time i've had a lull i'm like i'm gonna learn sign language um so I, I love was
2: this I the park a few weeks ago and I was there to see someone that I knew in it and there were two interpreters. So I ran to switch seats so I could see the interpreters and
1: watch them. The old it's old so day. cool. Like I have seen it happen on Broadway so often because my survival job was ushering on Broadway. I ushered at Lion King from 1998 to like 2001. And every six months there's a sign. What am I doing? Every six months there was a signed performance. And it was like, I just watch it. Like, um, I love that for you. That is so, so cool.
2: I'm excited to actually get to go out in the world and start shadowing interpreters and really studying it in college.
1: In the movie that I just worked on for Disney that will be out in March that I can't talk more about, we have uh, a hearing and non uh, we have a hearing non hearing couple um, that appear in the movie and it is it's very sweet. And they're also like two boys in a Disney movie. Very excited. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Hi. Emily, we are. Oh, we're
1: time. about where I'm this movie's gonna change the world. It's very exciting. I'm so excited.
0: I'm so excited. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, this was amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was so, so much fun. Like, can't thank you enough. This was awesome.
1: <laughs> well, thank you both. This was such so much fun for me. I appreciate you asking me and I hope that anybody listens to this.
2: Yes. And to connect with Mark on Instagram, follow at Mark Tumanelli to keep up to date on his latest projects and make sure to follow at Broadway Workshop. Be sure to follow Theatrical Thoughts at Theatrical Thoughts Podcast on Instagram as well. Yes, follow
1: all the things. You can follow the Little Me Podcast at Little Me Podcast too. Yes. (laughs) Thank you both so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye.